Good morning, everyone. I'm sure you've had your hard times where you felt lonely and isolated during the last little while. Maybe you've even felt like there's no hope in sight. Well, this loneliness and isolation is not something new for the northern communities. They feel alone because perhaps they feel like they're the only one going through this. They don't know if there's any other believers on the reserve. Or maybe they believe it's just the way life is. Most of the time, it's the latter one. That's just the way it is. No hope. Using coping mechanisms such as drugs and alcohol, when that doesn't work, they try to kill themselves. It's in this time, it's when we would love to be at the reserve the most, to show the youth that there's more to life, to share Jesus Christ to them and reveal to them that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one can get through the Father except through Jesus, that we have a hope in Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We were just starting to build relationships with these youth when the pandemic started last March, and we thought for months if we had even made a difference. When we found out that we were able to go back to the reserve from our contact and that the teens were missing youth, we started going back in. In September and October, we went to the reserve as often as we could till lockdown happened again. And lately, I've been really encouraged by these verses that this is the ministry that uh, he has laid out for us. He has gone before us, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And here's the verse. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you, he will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with the people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Deuteronomy 31, 6, 8. Well, you just heard from my lovely wife, Pam, and the words she shared, wow, what powerful words. When you, when you, we, we've been talking about no hope, this pandemic has brought no hope all around us. A lot of us can understand now the isolation and all that. And so Pam and I work for an organization called NCEM, Northern Canada Evangelical Missions. And it stretches from east to west, north to south in Canada. We are in close partnership with Healing Hearts Ministry based out of Regina. Ethnos Ministries Canada, which goes into a lot of northern communities, teaching a creation-based ministry. And uh, there's several Bible camps. And let me just say a woo Because there is Bible camps going on this summer. On June 20th, Bible camps get to open up in Saskatchewan. And I have to give a shout-out to my, uh, my brother in Christ, Jeff Penner at West Bank. 
He's got a busy time ahead of him setting up staff and getting ready for this summer of ministry with Bible camps. NCM runs two Bible camps in Saskatchewan, Pine Ridge Bible Camp and Big River Bible Camp. Uh, the one we closely are related to is Big River Bible Camp because that's where most of the kids from our reserves go. And But you could be in prayer um, for these camps and the ones that are connected to this church because it's going to be quite the interesting summer of news, new sort of things they have to do. And uh, just pray that uh, these young kids will come to know who Jesus Christ is. And just like Pam said, the author and perfecter of our faith. And see what uh, Pam and I, you have Pam has shared that uh, we cannot get into the reserve. In fact, it has been a struggle just to get things to the reserve. But uh, just the other week, we were able to drive up to the reserve we work on, and we were able to deliver 18 Bibles and blankets to uh, a fellow believer on the other side of the gate. And that fellow believer took that, uh, those 18 Bibles and 18 blankets and distributed them to those in need, um, which was just such a blessing. We also uh, found out that there was a family that, uh, that the parents had succumbed to, or not succumbed, but have had issues with their addictions, and therefore the kids were left alone with little to no support, little to no food. And so Pam and I felt it necessary that we would also, with that contact on the other side, deliver a couple meals to them. So we were able to do that. Uh, it, sad it saddens my heart that we can't do more. But we are looking for the forward to the day that we can once again meet with our young people uh, and the children on the reserve and to minister to them as well as their parents. And so you can be continued prayer for that. Um, it's something that has been hard for us in these last several months. Also, I understand that this church has been praying for me and my health. Uh, I can tell you that in early December, I was diagnosed with type two diabetes uh, insulin resistance, that means the insulin that has the key to my cells to unlock it for the sugar or energy that my body produces is rejecting the insulin. And that has been very interesting, especially in COVID, to try to manage. We're getting there. It's been, it's been very slow, but that's okay. I also found out that uh, my asthma is worse. My lungs produce or uh, absorb only 50% of the oxygen needed to, to uh, breathe. And so masks are not fun for me and I'm looking for the, forward to the day where I can have a no mask party. And I'm sure each one of you are also looking forward to that, forward to that day. And uh, I've also developed uh, through the diabetes and all that some sores that just don't wanna heal. And they're inconvenience but they're a reminder that we are not dependent on our own abilities, but the abilities of God. And so today's message uh, is entitled Barnabas, a missionary handbook on mentorship. And uh, this has been mulling around in my brain for years. And I finally 
sat down and I wrote this sermon about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and every day it reminds me of the faithfulness of God. So, I, I went to Miller many, many years ago. Some of you went to Miller many, 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 many years ago, and some of them just many years ago. But uh, it, it was really interesting when I wrote my, or I, I took my homiletics classes, I did my preaching and all that in school, and 17 years later, I actually preached my first sermon after Bible school. And I realized that it's not by my gifts, because I couldn't write for the life of me in Bible school, but I was able to put, put what was in my head to paper. And God just blesses me in immense ways. So I learned one thing from Arnie Armstrong, that it, you have to put things into context. And we have to remember, when Barnabas started his ministry, Jesus' resurrection was in 30 AD. Stephen was stoned in 35 AD. James was martyred in 44 AD. And Peter was imprisoned also in 44 AD. So just to put into context, it's right in that time period. Jesus has, has been risen from the dead. The church is in chaos because... There's this guy named Saul chasing out all the believers and scattering them abroad. And Saul had his conversion, and, and he saw Jesus. And Saul came under some leadership of Barnabas. So the recorded history is, uh, so Barnabas doesn't really come into play until... Acts chapter 4, roughly. And it's because his given name at birth was actually Joseph, or Joseph, depending on the translation. And so you don't really hear of Joseph so much, but you hear of Barnabas. The apostles changed his name to Barnabas in 436, and it's translated son of encouragement. And by the end of this, you'll realize why that was appropriate. He hails from Cyprus. Now, Cyprus on the map that hopefully you might get to see here, if everything works out, is, is a tiny little island in the middle of a vast body of water. And it's isolated. Now, he was also part of the order of clergy growing up. He was a Levite, and there was three divisions in the Levites on Cyprus. There was the high priest, who took care of all, it's like Pastor Jay here, the head honcho of the church, right, under Christ. And then there was the priest, which you could almost say is like a youth pastor, you know, he's sort of taking care of what the high priest isn't. And then there's the Levite, and I've been the sound person in the church, and often you only hear when you're, you're, what kind of job you're doing when it's not going so well. But he was a Levite, and he took care of all the, preparing all the, the ritual type stuff for the priest and the high priest. So it was a thankless job, and it was also one that was very, no one saw you. You were often working in the background, similar to the guy that I met mowing the lawn earlier today. Um... So yeah, make sure, 
sort of, you see these people, you can't, I can't do what I'm doing up here if it's not for countless people at NCM that make things happen. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, now, this is the interesting thing. Barnabas came from wealth. It says in Acts 4.37 that he was willing to give it all up. He had a parcel of land and he sold it and he gave it and laid it at the apostles' feet. He said, here, do what you need to do to further the kingdom. Um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 28, Barnabas did something that rings true in my life so much. He, uh, he had been in his travels abroad, and he met up with this guy named Saul. <coughs> so now Saul, Saul was eventually, his name was changed to Paul. And many of you know him, because he was, he was a cruel man. He was a cruel Pharisee that went around, and he was persecuting the Christians. And so, he, uh, he, he was converted on that day, walking to go persecute more Christians. And he, he met Jesus in such a way, such a powerful way. And so, in this time period, and his conversion, he sat there and he could not, people didn't believe that he had made a change. And uh, he went back to Jerusalem to try to, to share of what his, was laid upon his heart. And the apostles and the leaders of the church didn't know whether or not to believe him. And so in, if we turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 27, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and he had spoken to him, and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Barnabas stuck his neck out, his reputation, to, sh to the apostles and to the disciples and said, This man is a man of faith. Now, it also says in Acts chapter 11, 19 to 24, that he was recognized for, Barnabas was recognized for being full of the Holy Spirit and sent by the church to see about the great revival that took place after Stephen's death, encouraging the new believers. So here's this reputation that, that is talked about of Barnabas, and he's sitting there saying, this man, this man, you got to listen to him. The Holy Spirit has his heart. <clears throat> So, in Acts 11, 25 to 26, he started to go around from community to community. Many of you will hear of Paul's first missionary journey. 
And very rarely do you ever hear of it being called Barnabas's missionary journey. But in this missionary journey, and as I've studied this and read many more smarter people's sight of this, you get to see that Barnabas started mentoring Paul. Right from the day he stuck his neck out for this young man to, to seeing what Paul couldn't do down the road. And we all know, because Paul went on to write many letters, he also had many other missionary journeys. And so, in Acts 11, 25 to 26, it says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Paul or Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The unique thing that, as I read a lot of these scholars... Barnabas took the lead to mentor Saul. Now Saul, Paul, Paul is the Roman way of saying Saul. So if I mix Paul, Saul up, it's just, just me. But it's the same person. And uh, so some pretty cool things happened on, on this uh, first missionary journey. I believe it was the start of Samaritan's Purse. They were sent by the brethren to administer relief for famine that was, uh, that was in the land. And that was found in Acts eleven twenty seven to 30. And uh, so if you, if you look at 29 to 30 in Acts, it's uh, then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. It's kind of cool because the other day we, uh, we knew that there was hunger. Hunger in a family. And God used our hands but also the hands of our, our counterpart on the other side of the gate to deliver food to the hungry. To, to deliver food to these young men that I had been beginning to mentor. And so I can sort of relate to the feeling that Barnabas and Paul had, or Saul. So if you want to read about this first missionary journey that Barnabas mentored Paul, I encourage you to read Acts 13.4 to 14.20. Now, I'd love to share this with you, but I'd be cutting into many hours, and that, I think I'd, we'll just leave it up to you to read this. Um, missionaries came back to report what God had done in Acts 14, 27 to 28. Um, it says in Acts 14, 27, now, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Pam and I are missionaries, supported by this church, and we're coming back to report to you what God is doing. In this land of hopelessness, in this land of stuff, we are seeing key things happen amongst the First Nations people 
in Canada. God is at work. Some interesting things that, uh, that I started to see while I was studying this is that Barnabas had a forgiving heart. We all know about John Mark. John Mark was a teenager <coughs> that came onto the scene. He joined up with Saul or Paul. Paul at the time is what it is. And uh, at one point in time, he abandoned them. Now, I think back to my teenage years, and if I was going around from place to place uh, every once in a while seeing uh, some abuse, uh, Paul possibly getting stoned or them chased out of the city, and I was like 13, 14 years old, I'd be chickening out pretty quick too. I wouldn't be ready for it. Um, we'd, it doesn't say what happened. It just says John Mark left. And really, I don't blame him. I don't think I'd have the ability with these two guys trucking around. Back then, everything was on foot. And I like driving. So, yeah, I, I probably would have been like John Mark. And that, so that was found in Acts 12, 25, 13, 5, and, and, and uh, 13. Now, Barnabas wanted to include him again. And this caused Paul and Barnabas to separate. And many people may look at that as a bad thing. Um, each started a new journey in their life. And with a new young man, man to mentor. So Barnabas took John Mark with him. And uh, Paul eventually went on to mentor Timothy. Fourteen years had passed since Paul's conversion, and it records later on that Barnabas and Titus accompanied Paul to Jerusalem to share what God had done. So even they, though they separated, they still went on to come back as friends, to join up, to share what God had been doing in their lives. And that's the thing is, often we look at our own lives, and there might be separations and friendships, but God doesn't say this is the end. God doesn't say that, you know, like, you can't have disagreements, you can't have, go different ways. Often you look back and you realize, wow, look what God had done. So in this, we have the ability to look into scriptures and see what God had done through Barnabas. So not only did Barnabas take upon Paul and shepherd him in such a way to see him grow from the beginning of that missionary journey where, if you read about it, there was one time when Paul got stoned. And there's no mention of Barnabas until afterwards and Barnabas joins up with him and uh, they get out of the city. But it's really interesting to see that often Paul was the uh, more of the gutsy one, often probably speaking his mind a little more than Barnabas would. I see, in my own opinion, I see Barnabas as that quiet guy thinking it through and Paul just going for it. And uh, sad to say, I'm, I'm a lot like Paul. I often just go for it and uh, reap the consequences afterwards. And often I might be the run running from the stones. Where uh, you often need, in a, in a missionary side of things, a Barnabas 
who is thinking it through, probably laughing at the guy getting, you know, heckled a bit or thrown out, and joining up again and saying, you know, there's a better way of doing this. And uh, I'm thankful that within NCM there is a lot of people and uh, in this body of Christ that we live in that is there to encourage and foster and develop even I and Pam into being um, mature and prepared for the mission field. So I'd like to look at some of the outcomes of Barnabas. So we already know about Paul. We know that he went on to go for two, possibly a fourth missionary journey. Um, many letters, many churches, many places they had never been hearing about what had been going on. But then there was John Mark. Now John Mark, or Mark, went on to write the book of Mark. Now the book of Mark is not taken from Mark seeing Jesus. It was actually... A his account was after, and it was through uh, God's inspiring to write what Jesus had done. Uh, John Mark also became the first bishop of Alexandria. Uh, he was high up there. He was a leader in the church. And here was a young man that fled when the going got tough, and he fled, and he wasn't ready. But through the leadership of Barnabas, he went back and he became a leader in the, the early church. And he was also known as an evangelist. Someone that would go meet someone in the street and share about Christ willingly. I, uh, I like to uh, stand in lines at banks. Most people like to phone in or do things off their phone. I stand in line at a bank and start a conversation up in the long line and eventually you get to learning about the person in line and possibly praying with them. I like to go and see people on the side of the road and stop and see if I can help them and possibly sharing Christ with them. I, uh, I love to talk, so that makes me good for speaking up here. Um, but I love to share and I like to get to know people. One, one sad thing is with me is I forget names. I can tell you everything that you do, even possibly the color of your socks, if you share that with me, but I can't remember your name. So I fake it. So if uh, just a little bit out there, I'm, uh, I'm releasing some of my secrets. So you may have to tell me your name from once or twice. So that's John Mark. <coughs> Barnabas was selfless as he dedicated his life to serving God. He passed on what he knew to Paul. Titus and Silas, which were grown men, joined Paul to continue sharing in the gospel. And as you, I shared with you before, Paul was later able to mentor Timothy. Now Titus, so these are guys that are hanging out around Barnabas, Titus, Titus pastored in Corinth and later in Dalmatia, which is present-day Serbia and Montenegro. I hear these names, and I'm like, I want to go visit there, but uh, one day. Uh, Pam would love to go across the ocean with me. I'm a little bit... Yeah. Silas uh, went on. Countless missionary journeys with Paul, Timothy, and even Peter. Um, just some amazing men of God. Now, Timothy. Timothy was... 
Bar, uh, was Paul's mentor. Um, some unique things is that as I was reading this is Timothy probably heard about the gospel in Derby and Lystra during Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey. Uh, and and this is one that we don't know who shared what or who did what. All we know is that this is a possibility, and and they're saying that that Timothy was a young man, like below the age of ten, when he came to know the Lord through this missionary journey that these two men embarked on. Um, later on, Timothy joined Paul, and they say he was still a teenager. They're thinking like thirteen-ish age. Um, when I was 13, I wasn't thinking of going on a missionary journey with someone older. I was thinking more about playing games in the park and tackling people on the trampoline. So, quite a thing. Um, and the elders in the church looked at Timothy at this time period. He was well respected and he was of genuine faith, like mature beyond all years. He went uh, on to pastor a church in Ephesus after going on these missionary journeys. And, it, and if you read up on the church of Ephesus and the successfulness in Ephesus and how God used that church to grow into a lot of other places, it's phenomenal. And this came from a man that was willing to stand up for a, another man that, named Saul. who got to experience Jesus in a real way and did a complete 180 in his life and people didn't know what to think. Now we come to the part where I can't get through without crying. I wear my heart on my sleeve sometimes. At age 7 to 10, I had a young... I was young. I was unsure of myself, and there was a guy named Harley Warner that took it upon himself to mentor me and make me feel special. At age 18, I uh, graduated from high school, and I went to this, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but Miller College of the Bible. Before I was 18, I actually had never heard of it. And I was put with a mentor, uh, a man I actually grew up with all my life. Well, all that I can remember, named Dennis Kirsch. And he still mentors me from time to time today. Gordon Schantz at age 23. I was looking so desperately for a, a man to mentor me when I was all alone, when I was beginning to lose hope. And he still to this day calls me up on a regular basis. We meet together regularly, and every week he sends me on Sunday mornings a scripture and a word of encouragement from him. Jerry Gustafson, when I was in my 20s, allowed me to take on the responsibility of seeding a couple fields. I had no idea what I was doing except I knew how to drive a tractor. And he mentored me and he, you know, I'm sure I made a few mistakes here and there, but he was so genuine and he, he shared Christ. Later on, um, with Jerry, I knew his son. His son is one of my best friends, but a couple of years ago, Jerry had a major heart attack and passed away. And I lost quite a good mentor. Uh, 
and uh, I mourned with my best friend. Just a couple days ago, I was able to spend some time with that best friend and still was reminiscing about his dad. Conrad Ryan, I worked for another farmer, and uh, there would be many times when, when we'd, over the CV radio, be in our different tractors or trucks, and we'd be sharing, and he'd be building into me the Word of God. Ross Womranke, when I was age 33, uh, started mentoring me also in a field. This was north of Assiniboia, the other one was near Mydale, and the other one was near McCoon. And uh, to this day, Ross Pomeranke, whenever I'm feeling pretty low, I, could I know I can phone him up and he has exactly the words to say because it's Christ working through him to encourage me. Shay Durston is one of my peer supports. Uh, at age 36, we got to be really good friends. And uh, even to present day, he's, he's been one of my biggest he says biggest fans and biggest encouragements. And just even this past weekend, I was able to spend some time with him being encouraged by him. And John McGregor. John McGregor is an amazing man that has said so many things. He, uh, he started in life as a terrorist in Northern Ireland with the, the Northern Irish Mafia. And God had got a hold of his heart, and he went on to be an evangelist with Billy Graham. And he's pastored many churches. And before we went into the mission field, and before we were thinking that, he took me on as a mentor. And uh, just the other day, I was sitting with him, and once again, the words he was saying, the words of wisdom, the words of Christ were filling and flowing through him as he shared with me. Now, Pam has had many people in her life. And uh, the first one was actually, Pam had grew up and life wasn't that easy. And there was a woman here in Swift Current that named Bonnie Johnston at age 17 took it on her heart to just care for Pam. And she's to this present day still caring for Pam. Cheryl Rostek, she met in Saskatoon, and Cheryl actually hails from the Swift Current area. And uh, through many trials of Cheryl's even, but even to this present day, they're still good friends and they're still encouraging each other. And uh, it's just amazing to see Cheryl. Cheryl actually, glioplastoma, I think that's how I pronounce it. She is a survivor of brain cancer, and uh, God has done an amazing thing in her life today. Jody Tigan, age 24 to 29, in Weyburn. Sharon Durston, age 30 to present. Charlene Durston, who happens to be Shay's Durston's wife, is once again also just building into Pam in amazing ways. Roberta McGregor, age 34 to present. And uh, I, uh, Roberta is John McGregor's wife, such an amazing little Irish woman. Uh, she doesn't say much often, because John's usually saying a lot, but you just hang on to every word she says. 
And uh, I believe on the PowerPoint, and of course when I printed these out, I didn't have my updated version. There's a Sarah Wintz Kaler. Some of you may know her. She is, lives in Swift Current. She grew up south of Swift Current. Um, her mother-in-law is on the missions committee here. I have watched my wife grow immensely through the friendship and the mentorship of Sarah. I knew Sarah when I went to Bible school. And after Bible school, Sarah and Pam got to know each other at this place called McDonald's that they worked together with. And their friendship hasn't stopped. It's been amazing just to see the way that Sarah can encourage Pam. And so if you take one thing from this, take this. We are called all to be mentors. If you look through scriptures, we're called to, to take the maturity that we have to someone that doesn't have less. And if you think back on your life, you probably have a list like this of where someone came alongside you and encouraged you. But we have to look back at Barnabas' life. Barnabas didn't do this on his own. Barnabas knew that it was only through the power of Jesus Christ that he could be the mentor that he was called to be. And so if you out there do not know who Jesus Christ is, I encourage you today to seek him out. And all you have to do is sit there and say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't do this on my own. And I acknowledge that you died on the cross for me and the sin, the things I do wrong. And I am committing to you. I'm committing to you to trust and to follow you. To follow what it says in your word. And to change with your help. Please come into my life. Take this burden and this pain away. I want to follow you. If you have never asked Christ into your life. And if you have just now asked Christ into your life. What Jesus says is to tell someone. To tell someone. There are many great uh, pastors at this church. Um, Pam and I uh, are obviously not from here as we are up north. But we are more than willing to talk to you. But honestly, if you have made that decision, seek out a mentor. Someone who, they say, in the Bible it says men to men, women to women. So... I would really follow that advice. But seek out someone. And if you don't know someone, call someone that may know. And this church is always open. They always have people that are willing to mentor you. And uh, seek God. Ask Him, hey God, I really need someone to mentor me right now. So I can know you better. So I can be encouraged by you. Because this is how Pam and I look at our ministry going forward. Our job is not there so much to be the big wigs and, uh, and whatever. We're there to build relationships and to mentor these young men and women. 
Because our goal is that we can work ourselves out of a job. We want to see these young men and women take on leadership in their community and to boldly share Christ everywhere they go and to lead other young men and women to the Lord and to see this mentorship thing continue on and on again. So, Pam and I thank you from the bottom of our heart for the amount of prayer that goes towards our ministry. We also thank you for the financial support because we can't do it on our own. We, uh, we went into this mission thing um, knowing full well that was, we had to raise our some own support. And I can tell you this, some months it's been interesting and other months we've been weeping our eyes out with the amount of generosity the Lord has laid upon people's hearts. We definitely can't do this on our own. We need the power of Jesus Christ in our lives, and we need the power of the body of Christ behind us praying every step of the way. So we thank you. And we look forward to coming back here and sharing what God is doing in the future. Thanks.